Holy Spirit, we invite you into the room now. I pray, Lord, that, that, uh, that now you would come and minister to us, that you would give us the nourishment, the encouragement, the insight, the strength that we need uh, this week, that you would equip your people. In this portion, Lord, we are receiving from you. We incline into your spirit in faith and expectation. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says... Amen. You know, uh, when, they, uh, when they publish books today, uh, it's not enough just to put the title on the book anymore. You have to give some sort of subtitle, some slogan, some marketing thing. Uh, so uh, I've occasionally thought about, well, what would be a good, a good headline or a good marketing line, a good tagline for, for the Bible? Uh, what, what would you think? You're gonna, you're gonna summarize the Bible in a sentence. God. God. Holy Bible. God stuff. It works. It works. I like it. What else? I'm sorry. Life manual. Bible life manual. Truth. Something. Invitation? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, because the Bible has so many potent messages, you know, it's hard to just uh, pick one. Here's one that I think would be a viable candidate. Life is meaningful. Life is meaningful. I think that's a fair summary of the message of the Bible, that, you know, all this is for a reason. All of this has intent, and that's just incredibly good news. Uh, You're not just existing. Life is meaningful. And then the Bible goes on to teach that life works best when it, has, when it is lived meaningfully. Right? Life is designed to be meaningful. Those of us who live life with, with choice, with personal direction, as we humans have, uh, we are well advised to try hard to live it meaningfully, to live in pursuit of meaning, to live in pursuit of of purpose. Everything works out from there. And then the Bible has a lot to say about the pursuit of your God-given purpose, about what makes life meaningful, uh, what the Lord's intent was. One huge factor of life uh, is, is relationships, the relationships that we have and the way that we relate to one another. And it turns out, lo and behold, that relationships are meaningful. And that uh, the, the best stuff that we do uh, takes place through interactions that we have uh, with other people. Relationships work best when they are conducted meaningfully. In your relationships, you should be pursuing meaning and purpose more than in any other arena in your life. You know, we can think about professional purpose. We can think about vocational purpose, about ministry purpose, relationship purpose is maybe bigger than all of them. You have to have meaningful relationships, and your relationships must be conducted with a purpose-drivenness. That's what makes relationships work best, what makes them blossom, uh, and it, it's what, uh, what blesses uh, people the most. I think all relationships have power dynamics, which is to say that every human relationship you have is filled with influence. 
your relationship is influencing you somehow. Now, maybe you are influencing the person that you're relating to. Maybe the person that you're relating to is influencing you. Maybe you're influencing each other, but some influencing is going on because relationships are designed to be purposeful and meaningful, and therefore they're just going to be whether you're quite aware of it or not. Uh, these truths about purpose and about relationships could, should encourage you to relate with awareness and purpose in relationships. In other words, you've got you to be aware of it. You've got to be intentional about it. Don't let relationships just coast in neutral. Things won't go well. Uh, uh, so you're going to conduct your relationships purposefully or, and or, you're going to be very careful about the company that you keep because the people that you hang out with are influential one way or another. You're influencing them or they are influencing you. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. But let's back up a little bit. Life is meant to be meaningful, therefore you are meant to be meaningful. Congratulations. Uh, turn to somebody next to you and say uh, something to that effect. It's like, wow, you're like really important. Or so significant to be sitting next to you today. Or, wow, you really are all that. You know, some, something like that. Just say that. Encourage one another. Thank you. You are meant to be meaningful. In fact, uh, we know this if you're a regular Blue Water. You are meant to be incredibly meaningful. Your job, actually, is to bring the order of heaven to earth. Uh, if you're a Jesus follower, that's how he describes it. He showed up on the scene and he said, uh, he announced his ministry by saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the dominion of heaven, or the order of heaven is at hand. It's now here with us. Uh, and he would say, like, follow me. What we're going to do is we're going to bring the order of heaven to earth. And, and how does that happen? Well, you know, in, in a whole bunch of different ways, life is... Order versus chaos. The universe is order versus chaos. Uh, the universe is in chaos. It is in decay. That's the first thing that you learn in high school physics. Everything tends toward decay. Everything tends toward entropy. Everything is slowing down in the universe, right? Uh, except for life. Somehow, in the midst of all this decay, all of this disarray in the universe, life has happened. And what is life? Well, life, physical life, takes all of these chaotic atoms and puts it together in this incredibly, inexplicably orderly fashion. You become a creature. You become a being. You have thought. You have intent. You have, wait for it, meaning and purpose. It's extraordinary that life can happen in the midst of the swirl of chaos of the universe. And God created life. I think he was making a, a, a powerful point in contrast. Yeah, yeah, everything is, is decaying and dying, but I'm the God of life. In the midst of chaos, I'm the God of order. Jesus shows up and he says, all right, let's bring the order of heaven to earth. Wherever there is death, bring life. Wherever there is sickness, bring healing. And of course, you saw Jesus do that even supernaturally. Somebody was paralyzed. I don't know, is there sickness? Is there injury in heaven? No. So when Jesus brings the order of heaven to earth, he cures the sick. He restores the injured. Uh, is there poverty in heaven? No. Poverty is disorder, 
right? So when Jesus encountered the disorder, the chaos of poverty, what did he do? He brought the order of justice and provision, supernaturally if necessary. He would feed thousands of people with one little boy's lunch of loaves and fishes. If you move powerfully in the order of heaven, you get to bring the order of heaven wherever you go. So that was one way Jesus taught us to pursue meaning and purpose. You are meaningful. You have an incredibly meaningful job to do. You bring order. And you do it with an attitude of faith. That's the most powerful thing about you. That's the most contagious thing about you. You move in faith and not fear. And you do it by making your faith active. And you make it active by trying. Try is the most important word in the English language. Try is what makes your faith live. Not trying is never faith. Trying is faith. Trying is active. All of that is summary, right? I mean, you've heard Blue Water sermons on those topics how many times? Too many times to count. So you know all of this. Nevertheless, this week, you might not have lived very meaningfully. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure most of you did, but there, but there may be some people out there who had an off week. This week, maybe chaos kicked your butt. And if chaos kicked your butt this week, um, it didn't do it by convincing you to give up on a meaningful life. It didn't convince you that what the Bible teaches about meaning uh, is false. It didn't convince you to stop following Jesus. It didn't convince you to abandon your faith entirely. It didn't convince you that you don't have a life calling. What chaos did is it just sort of subtly got you to delay doing good things. It's like, I mean, you know you got good things to do, but this week was, it just wasn't a good week for you to get around to doing them. So delay is one of the big weapons of, of chaos. Um, or it, it distracted you so that, that while you're very meaningful and you've got very meaningful things to do and you're super important in all of your relationships, it's just not what you thought about day in, day out this week. You thought actively about other stuff. You thought about getting to work on time. You thought about uh, all the things that your kid needed from you. You thought about the chores around the house, all of which are sort of, you know, necessary. And it just sort of, there are plenty of distractions in the world. And then once you got through all of the necessary things, well, you just needed to relax. So you thought about kicking back, or you thought about video games, or you thought about the rest that you're not getting, and you just didn't get around to thinking about the important things or following through on the stuff that, that you know. You didn't quit this week. That's not how chaos kicked your butt. You did not quit. You just didn't try. You didn't give up. No, of course not. You just kind of drifted in neutral more or less. If chaos kicks your butt, that's how it happened. Chaos does not overwhelm you with darkness. Chaos numbs you with gray. That's how it works. Uh, just chaos wins by just getting you to put off the important things a little longer. It makes you lukewarm. It doesn't freeze you out. It just makes you lukewarm. Chances are you worked hard this week. You know, um, you worked hard on, on some things and some important things. You just, you just maybe didn't work hard on your life calling. You just didn't get around to having those significant interactions. Chaos will do anything 
to keep you from following through on the one or two most important things in life. How do you beat chaos and live a meaningful life, reaping all of the power and health that a meaningful life brings? Well, it turns out that what you need to do is very intentionally build a pathway to purpose. It is not enough just to have purpose, and it's not enough just to identify the purpose that you have. You have to very carefully build a pathway to purpose. You need to develop routines, methods, reinforcement to keep you purposeful in your activity every day. And that is our daily battle. That's why this seminar that we're doing on what is it, 28th, 29th, what's the date? That's Saturday, 29th, is called Pathway to Purpose. In the seminar, we will help people identify their specific life calling. That's actually not very hard. You know, we'll do it through a few diagnostic questions and a couple principles. It's actually very easy. It's very easy for Christians to know what their general life calling is. We're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to influence the world toward God. But we're all designed with a specific life calling as well. And, and in the seminar, as we've done uh, in different workshops and conferences around Blower, we'll help people identify their specific life purpose. Not the hard part. The hard part is building the daily pathway that will keep you moving in that purpose. And that will be the bulk of, of the seminar. How many people are registered to go? Of the people registered to go, how many of you are inviting friends from outside church? Fantastic. The seminar is designed not just for us to attend, but for us to bring somebody. So we are spreading the headline of the Bible, which is, life is meaningful. And I think if people buy into that, um, they often encounter God, whether they're expecting God or not. Well, you build a pathway, you think it through, and you develop methods and, and, and techniques and, and systems and routines, patterns that will help you live purposefully every day. And nowhere does this play out more intensely and more acutely than in our relationships. You have to build ways of having purpose and meaning in the relationships that you have. Relationships make up the fabric of our days. The relationships that you have with family. You can have family relationships. You all have family relationships. Some of them are really good. Some of them feel not so good. But you have them. Are they purposeful and meaningful? Well, you have to make them purposeful and meaningful. Uh, you all have friends. Is there anybody here who doesn't have a friend? Because we'll give you one. You know? Um, but you can have friendships that aren't meaningful. You can have friendships that just exist. Uh, and, and then they become influential in a not-so-great way. You have relationships with your co-workers. Some of us have romances. Oh, romances. Very intense. But all relationships, in my opinion, are either chaos relationships or order relationships. Remember, life is chaos versus order. The universe is order versus chaos. And relationships, I think, can, can pretty much be categorized similarly. You have relationships that are chaos relationships, and you have relationships that are order relationships. How many of you already intuitively think, oh, yeah? How many of you have chaos relationships? Yeah. <laughs> we know. 
How many of you have chaos relationships that you just feel powerless in them? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. We all sort of experience that. How many of you have order relationships, which, by which I mean relationships that seem to just flow in purpose and, and strengthening and order, kingdom order? How many of you have relationships like that? Yeah. How many of you have relationships? It's always interesting for me to <clears throat> survey what percentage of the congregation is actually brave enough to respond to questions that I asked. Proverbs uh, 13, 20. One of the many, many Proverbs in the book of Proverbs that are about relationships and the company we keep. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. The NIV is actually not my favorite translation of this proverb, but walk with the wise and become wise. If you walk with fools, you'll become a fool, essentially, is what it's saying. The company that we keep is super uh, effective, and there are just a huge number of warnings in the book of Proverbs about hanging out with chaos people. That's how I might phrase it. If you hang out with people who are full of chaos, what happens to your life? Well, it gets, it gets full of chaos. And if you go with it for a while, what happens to you? Well, you become a chaotic person. The kingdom order gets sucked out of your, out of your life, and, and you just, you get numb. You start to drift, which is how chaos uh, beats you. So, obviously, the lesson is don't hang out with bad people. But wait a minute. Jesus showed up and quite famously hung out with all the worst people that he could find, right? He, he found the worst sinners, he, he, he found the, the mafiosos, he found the tax collectors and the extortionists, and he, he partied with them. So what the heck was, was going on there? Well, I mean, obviously, if you read the gospel stories and about how Jesus conducted his relationships, he hung out with chaotic people, with chaos people, in order to bring order to their lives. In other words, he hung out with disorderly people, but he did it with purpose. He was super intentional about what he was doing so that he entered those chaos relationships in order to make them orderly, strong relationships. In other words, he brought purpose. He conducted his relationships as meaningfully as possible. And then, and then he taught his guys to do it. He had he had a posse of guys who was trying to raise up in the kingdom mission, and eventually he would send them out without him into villages and towns where he had not been. And when he sent them out, he famously gave them some instructions. Those of you who are students of the gospel will know this story. He said, go into a town, preach the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here, and then do a bunch of miracles. And then I'll show up later. Uh, but he said, if they reject you, then shake the dust off your feet and leave town. In other words, enter into a chaotic situation. Try to bring order. But look, if they won't receive it, don't hang out there. If your purpose is not manifesting, if your, if your mission is not fruitful, there's only so long that you should stay there. Because if you stay there too long, you'll start to get sick. 
So think about this, guys. That was almost the first lesson of ministry that he gave to them. And so they went out, and sure enough, in a lot of places, they brought kingdom order and built the kingdom. And in some places, uh, their ministry did not go so well. If you lose track of this principle in relationships, and the principle is make relationships purposeful. Make sure that you understand how influential they are and manage accordingly. If you forget this principle, then you get into trouble. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, 33, which I don't think is in your program, up here uh, on, on the big board. Don't be misled, Paul is telling the church in Corinth. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Use that word company, you know. If, if you're trying to get relationally fed from people who are committed to chaos, then the relational food that you eat will eventually sicken you. So you just have to, you have to keep this in mind, right? It doesn't say don't hang out with people who are not as righteous as you. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that whoever you hang out with, make sure the relationship is filled with purpose and meaning. And don't shift into neutral. Because if you do, the relationship will still influence you, just not in a way you want. Everybody following so far? The Bible doesn't tell us to be exclusive. Right? It doesn't tell us to be careful and only hang out with clean people or something like that. It just says relationships are powerful, meaningful, influential things. Respect that and make sure that your relationships are filled with order. Otherwise, they will be filled with chaos. There is no neutral. There is no neutral. And if you start to drift in a relationship, if you just sort of drift into gray in whatever relationship it is, a relationship with a coworker, a relationship with a neighbor, a relationship with a spouse. If you drift into gray, chaos will grow. That's how it works. So always be on top of it. Always be on top of it. The way, the way I do that, uh, the discipline uh, that I've developed over time. And I, and, I, and I am one of those people that have to develop relationship disciplines because I have no natural relational skill whatsoever. Those of you who have known me for like, say, over five years, do I have any natural relational skill? No. Not, what's that? I have a unique relational skill. My wife always, always finds a way to, to be edifying, you know, and if I were to translate that from Sonia's speak into normal speak, uh, it would be, Jordan really sucks at relationships, but he has a good heart. Which I, probably a fair way to describe things. Is that fair? That's fair. No relational skill. I have to be very intentional about it, in other words, so I need disciplines. And, and then, you know, and maybe some of my unique gifts can come to bear in a good way. All right, enough said about that. <sighs> Confessorial. Um, but uh, what I do, one really helpful discipline, is that I'm, I constantly ask myself, what is this relationship for? Or if I'm in a moment where I'm interacting with someone, 
you know, I'm very introverted, so those moments are always filled with nervousness for me. I ask myself, what, what is this relating for? What's this conversation for? Uh, and that helps get me back on purpose. How many, how many of you like that? What's this, what's this relationship for? What, what am I talking to this person for? How many of you like that? How many, to how many of you does it sound just kind of really mercenary and mechanical, right? Um, it might sound mercenary, but I promise you, it's not. And I just want to make this uh, very clear, because asking, what is this for, only leads to blessing. It leads to blessing in marriage, it leads to blessing in parenting, it leads to blessing in work relationships. Because when I ask the question, what is this for? What's this relationship for? What is this relating for? It prods me to do good things. Right? right? It, it prompts me to be salt and light in that moment. It prompts me to just not shift into neutral and let things happen. Because if you let things happen in this world, chaos happens. But if you make things happen, then you can make order happen. You can bring goodness. You can be blessing. So, you know, I think the pursuit of purpose is what makes the love come out in relationships. You know, if, if Sony and I get up in the morning and we haven't gotten enough sleep and we have to rush and get the kids somewhere and, you know, we've both got long to-do lists... And, and if I just sort of exist with her through the first two hours of the day, chaos happens. Uh, but if uh, I usually get up first, and you know, more of an early riser, she gets up, and if in that moment I say, oh, uh, what am I here for? What is she here for? And, and, I, and I take a moment in, in the midst of the morning chaos, and I even say, Oh, nice to see you. If I even do that much, that makes the love come out. It makes a difference. It's a tone. Stand up and tell them amen, honey. Thank you. There's a, a famous study done on marital counseling. I, I believe it was in New York, if I'm remembering correctly. And this guy was a marital counselor, and he was finding no success whatsoever in his practice. And so across the board, he, he began telling all of his clients one thing. He said, when you and your spouse first see each other at the end of the day, like when you come home from work and you first see each other at 6 p.m. or whatever it is, for the first 30 seconds, pretend that you're happy to see each other. And that was the full extent of his therapy. Uh, and he got like a 75% like a rescue rate on on uh, marriages headed into divorce or something like that. It was the most revolutionary principle um, he, uh, he ever used. Um, I may be getting the details of that slightly wrong, but the point is, you got on top of chaos, you redefined the tone of what was going on, and you were, you were paving a pathway to purpose. That's the skill that we need to master for all of our relationship. It's not mercenary, it's human. It's not mercenary, it's, it's meaningful. What are you going to do to make this interaction meaningful? If you need it, if, if I made you turn to the person next to you, I've been known to do this, 
and, and, and for 15 seconds have a meaningful interaction. There's only so much that you could do, but the most important thing is that you tried to do something. That's the skill. Are you following me? What is this for? What is this for? It keeps things on track. It, it subjugates interpersonal tensions. What is this relationship for? What is this relationship that I have with my friend for? Well, it's not for arguing. It's not for being righter than the other person. It's always for something more purposeful than that. I gotta, I gotta remember that. It keeps me on track. It helps me to not waste my words and energy. As an introvert, I don't have many words or much energy. It's, it's an exercise of, of focus. A higher purpose in a relationship encourages selflessness, I think. One of the most important principles that I do in my premarital and marital counseling is that I encourage couples to, to come up with a mission statement for their relationship. Right? In, in marriage, no marriage should just exist for itself. The goal of your marriage cannot be limited to just being happy with each other. That's kind of a sucky goal. Um, I mean, it's helpful. It's enjoyable, but you will be happier with each other if together you are serving the world. Together if you are serving uh, the kids. Together if you are serving your neighbor. If you are serving your neighbors and uh, uh, your, your fellows in church or whatever it is. Every relationship needs a mission. And it doesn't make the relationship more shallow. It makes it deeper in the end. It helps the love come out. It encourages selflessness uh, and uh, minimizes manini tensions and things like that. And it helps me evaluate relationships as well. If I'm saying, what is this relationship for? Sometimes the answer comes back to me, well, evidently nothing. What am I doing here? Why am I investing time in this relationship? And occasionally I have relationships in which I'm like, you know what, this is just completely dysfunctional. I'm not achieving anything for you. You've got nothing going on for me. You know, this is habit. Or maybe we're using each other in a shallow sort of way. But it's not purposeful. It's not edifying. And if I can't fix it and make that relationship purposeful in short order, I leave it. I leave it. And that's basically what Jesus taught his guys when he sent them out. It's like, if you can't bring purpose to your relationship with this village that you're visiting, you know, leave it. Because if you stay in a relationship that has no purpose, over time, you will teach the other person or persons in the relationship that you don't have any purpose. You will implicitly lead them to believe that you are not a person of power and meaning. And things will get stuck. You understand? And so sometimes uh, the path to salvation <laughs> means letting that relationship go. It's not a judgment against the person. It's just a practice of order in a world of chaos. Like, if I stay in this, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna teach you the wrong lessons. I need to go. 
we're hurting each other. Sometimes we're hurting each other by not blessing each other. Sometimes, of course, relationships can be very hurtful, but I don't think I need to preach about that. All right, so closing point. I think one of the takeaways to everything the Bible says about relationships, which is 10,000 different things, you know, so many verses, so many passages, is that uh, one of the things you want to do is, is uh, to create what I call a purpose posse. A purpose posse. All great preachers use alliteration. You have to have a purpose posse. Probably my favorite uh, short little verse on this comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And it's in your program. The author of Hebrews is exhorting the believers that the letter is uh, circulating among. He says to them, or she says to them, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Um, I like that little uh, thesis statement. Let us hold unswervingly. Uh, to the hope that, that we profess. That word unswervingly means like all the time. Like, you know, at all times and all things, let's remember that we're about something. That we have uh, hope. That we have a faith. And then the author goes on. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, all the more as time goes by, all the more as you get older and life gets shorter uh, for you. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Some of the older translations uh, translate it differently. Uh, They say, and let us consider how we may compete with one another in the doing of good deeds. I actually, I actually prefer that. I think that's really cool. You know, let's, let's push each other uh, into uh, higher purposes and better follow through on things. Uh, that's just a great description of Christian community. Not giving up meeting together. It's like the purpose of meeting together is to spur one another on to purpose. Consider that. Let us consider. Keep that in mind. In other words, we are here today to make sure that we, we each live purposefully. That, in itself, is a definition for healthy relationships. Are your relationships encouraging you to live with purpose? In your relationships, are you encouraging other people to live with meaning and purposefulness? Or are you encouraging other people to just kind of exist as comfortably as possible or something like that? I think that's a great measure of the health of any given relationship that we have. This is important. All the more so as the day is approaching. All the more so as time goes by. Research shows that if you are at a church for two years without developing significant relationships, then you'll probably leave that church and the chances of you going to another one are, are slim. In about two years, 
uh, to have meaningful relationships uh, in this church, or you may check out of the kingdom. Uh, And that's always been a frightening statistic for me because it's easy to come to church and just cruise and just be neutral. You can't do it. You can't do it. Not only will the church not work for you, but your faith might be diminished in the process. And a significant relationship doesn't mean finding people that you enjoy necessarily. It's about finding people that are good for you and developing the relationships in which you are good for other people. That actually creates satisfaction and love and enjoyment. That's how it works. You have to have relationships that are for something, uh, in in other words. Uh, One thing I I really hate uh, as a pastor, you know, we live on an island. There's a lot of coming and going. Uh, We have a lot of people that have come to faith or come back to faith through Blue Water Mission, and then they move away. Uh, We tend to skew younger demographically. A lot of us are, you know, our 20s, 30s, and it's hard to make a living here. So a lot of people, you know, move to the mainland to try and make a go of it financially or something. I see a lot of people that come to faith, leave community, and then crash and burn in their faith when they get to the mainland. And then they'll often phone me or send me emails. It's like, it's not working for me anymore. It's not working for me anymore. Invariably, I have one response. It's like, well, where's your posse? Right? Who, who do you have? Like, well, I don't know. I'm visiting some churches, but it's really hard. You know, there aren't any churches like Blue Water. True. In both good ways and bad ways. We are, we are probably fairly unique. But moral of the story, don't underestimate the value of the people you hang out with. It's really hard, particularly as a younger believer or a younger person, to, to be without your, your purpose posse. So how do you build one? Well, we have a bunch of ready-made ones. You got to get yourself into an Ohana group. You got to. This, an encouraging setting, a coaching setting, a worshipful setting, hopefully an invigorating setting, but it's really hard to uh, have relationships that are just for an hour and a half on Sunday. It's really hard to share. It's really hard to disciple and to be discipled fully in a situation like this. You need a purpose posse, so you need to get to an Ohana group, look to your programs. There's a list of them in here. This isn't even totally all of them but a healthy sampling. If you need help finding transportation or one close to you or one that meets at a time that you really can really go to, then you ask Antonio, stand up Antonio. He's the handsome guy that you saw up front earlier. He's always accessible and he is, uh, without a doubt, the world's nicest man. So, so just go. That's true. Do I, do I speak falsely? He's... As, uh, as Julie always says, Antonio is the Labrador retriever of humans. <laughs> super happy, super helpful. And his, his main job is to get you plugged into a purpose posse. So you need to get to one. Don't be stupid. You should have one. I'm sorry, did that show my relational lack of skill? My lack of relational skill? 
yo, don't be stupid, get into Ohana group. Um, and what Ohana groups are is that you show up with a group, a group of, of good-hearted, purpose-minded people, and you say, hey, influence me. That's, that's how it works. And then they try to influence you for good. Uh, the other way that you can build a purpose posse uh, wherever you are is you ask purposeful questions of people. You ask discipleship questions. And you always have to have, uh, always have, to have them at the radio. What's the first discipleship question? We have drilled on this 20 times on Sunday morning. What's the first discipleship question? What's God been saying to you lately? Or if you're talking to a non-believer, it's like, well, what, what do you feel is really important in your life? Or, you know, what, what do you think you're designed for? Uh, what do you want to achieve? Uh, I was talking to uh, some non-believers one evening this week, and, and we were talking about details and stuff, and I had that moment where I asked myself, what is this interaction for? And, and then I, I just butted in. I actually stopped uh, one of them mid-sentence, and I say, well, what do you want to achieve? Um, and the rest of the conversation uh, went really well. Why do you want to achieve that? Why is that important? How are you going to do it? What's hard about that? How can I help you? It's not difficult to make a conversation about purpose because everybody craves it. And if you can make a conversation about purpose, you can make a conversation about God in no time. But that's how it starts, typically. Ask important questions. And then follow up. The next time you see that person, the next morning or the next week, you say, how's that going? Boom! You now have a significant relationship. It's not hard. What's hard is actually doing it routinely. That's where the holiness is. That's where the fruit is. If you want to bless your marriage, stop talking so much about how to get along better and instead talk about what you should be achieving together. That's not a panacea. That's not like a miracle drug or something like that because, you know, it's, it can be hard to get along together. I mean, not in our marriage, but there are some marriages that are less than perfect. Um, but you ever get into those conversations where you're like, man, we have this argument all the time. Nobody's raising their hand to say yes. <laughs> yeah, it, ha it happens. Well, just next time you have that argument, next time you fall into that familiar pattern, just one of you say, what do we want to achieve here? What do we want to achieve together in life? Boom! You've changed the conversation. And it will lead to a better place. You might still have things to iron out. Um... If, for instance, one of you is really introverted and lacks all natural relational skill, uh, you might have things to iron out. But I guarantee you that conversation will go to a better place because the purpose will let the love out. It will subjugate the tensions. And anyway, you get the point. So purposeful questions create posses of purpose. You might need to give up some chaotic relationships in life. 
there are some chaotic relationships that you can't give up, right? You have a chaotic relationship in your family. Hey, it's family. What are you going to do? There will be some friends that are in that category as well. It's like, look, this is just someone I'm traveling through all of my life with. It's not like I'm going to stop returning their phone calls or something. But then there are some relationships that you are using in a way that is just chaotic. Or some relationships in which you are allowing yourself to be used for disorderly, unmeaningful purposes. And you got to give those up. Because you're actually influencing in a bad way. Right? There might be, there might be time for that. It might, might be a way to bless the other person as well as blessing yourself. So how are we doing? Do you have a purpose posse? Yes or no? Do you have people in your life that, uh, that are helping you move toward purpose? Who has a purpose posse? Who has a purpose posse? Rochelle, stand up. Name one person that's in your purpose posse. Point. Brian Garris. Where's Brian? Point him out. All right, there's Brian. Go ahead, stand up, Brian. Brian, name one person in your purpose posse. Claudette. Oh, yeah, you know what's coming. <laughs> Claudette, who, one, per, one person in your purpose, Fossey. Oh, Lila. Lila, Quack and Lila. And Lila's on vacation, so that string will end. Thank you very much. Well done. Well done. Nice move. Nice move. Well done. Larissa's in your purpose. Larissa, stand up. All right, Larissa, what one person in your purpose posse? Dara Pineda. Dara, the, Pineda's, the Pineda's are a great couple. Dara, you stand up. You can't, now you can't, you can't name your husband. <laughs> one person in your purpose posse. Joseph Jolie. And he's so enthusiastic. <laughs> All right, one person in your purpose posse, Joe. Christine Choi, oh yeah, this is, this is a super encouraging motivational person. Christine? Sarah? Oh, Sarah Smith, Sarah Smith, I bet. I don't think Sarah's here. So we punt to Stuart. You're all sitting together as a small group, this is really no fair. Uh, all right, we did it. I, I just want to see how far we could with that string. But um, I love it in a congregation when we are connected by purpose, when we are encouraging one another on toward the doing of good works, we're spurring one another forward because life is meaningful. Your satisfaction, your joy, and your love is all hinging on whether or not you're the sort of person that pursues purpose. You're the sort of person that intentionally daily with, with a... a uh, a pathway with methods that you have built and do routinely are living with purpose. If you're not, you're drifting in chaos and you've missed the point of life. Let's pray. I pray, Father, that you would redeem our relationships. 
relationships that we have or should have in church, but relationships that we have at work, relationships that we have in family. I pray, Lord, that you would inspire us and, yes, discipline us to relate purposefully, to redeem, to bring the kingdom into relationships and to not tolerate chaotic relationships. I pray, Lord, that you would make us the people that we are supposed to be uh, by giving us, inspiring us toward the relationships uh, that we should have. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen.